Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jay Morris, and you're listening to Osmos Radio and what we call ACIR Radio. And we are sharing this on TJ Morris ET Radio and everywhere else. So all you guys out there, wherever you are, Spotify, iHeart, Spreaker, Stitcher, FM Radio, Boo Bear, whatever it is, you know we're out there. So thank you for listening. And we're hoping to make history and uh, archive it. So I've created ACO Club. And uh, we're starting this year with American Communications Online. And we're moving all our archives over to my big Amazon web service, which is huge, from all our little blogs that we've had for years. And I've asked a gentleman from Pennsylvania that I got sort of a psychic hit off. I'm not sure. He probably knows a lot more about it than I do. Uh, I run mostly uh, logical investigative reports, and uh, I'm going to go into radio with the idea that eight years' experience of just recording people is going to help us in our club. But this gentleman's name is Lon Strickler, and I hope I'm saying that right. And he is an American. Born in the USA, I'm promoting uh, American Communications Online with him as the ACO Club. And he's agreed to join me on one of my radio shows this week. But I wanted to get to know him a little better and differently because sometimes, I mean, I have plenty of people that get in touch with me in social media to be on my shows, but I'm sort of picky. So Lon said he would sort of help me. We're going to do those that are career people and those uh, like professionals and those that are hobbyists. And I'm going to get him to educate me because he's been doing this a lot longer than I have. So, uh, Lon, uh, would you like to introduce yourself for me, please? <laughs> yeah, my name is Lon, Lon Strickler. I'm a fortune researcher, author, and writer uh, at the Phantoms of Monsters blog. And I'm also a host at Arcane Radio. Now, I've been a um, 14 researcher. Oh, my God. It's been a long time. But I, I, I'd say I've been involved with the paranormal for about 40 years now. And um, the blog started in 2005 and has steadily grown in popularity and, uh, by, and, and read daily by tens of thousands of paranormal enthusiasts and investigators. Uh, my research and reports have been featured on hundreds of online media sources. Um, several of these published reports have been presented on various television segments, including the History Channel's Ancient Aliens, Sci-Fi's Paranormal Witness, uh, Factor Fake, Paranormal Files, and Destination America's Monsters and Mysteries in America. And uh, I've been interviewed on several radio broadcasts, including multiple appearances on Coast to Coast AM. And I was also featured on uh, Monsters and Mysteries in America for the uh, Sykesville Monster episode. I've written seven books 
And like I said before, I'm currently a host of Arcane Radio. Awesome. Well, I hope I can get you on some of my radio shows. Or We're thinking about doing our own 24-7, uh, if I can get people from around the world, uh, like I've done before with other radio stations. Or we may just use an auto DJ, but we're working on that in Texas, California, and Florida, so it would be great to add Pennsylvania. But uh, let's see if we can do a little bit of background on you. And you know I'm going to do a, sort of a convoluted version of you uh We'll try to watch your time and tell me when you need to, uh, you know, chop it into segments because we can do like an oral history like I do for Jan Aldrich and UFO Association. And uh, I have an alien contact organization with Janet Carol Lusson. And then I have Ascension Center. Uh, it's Ace Metaphysical with a metaphysician, Tommy Hawksblood in Hawaii on another island. And uh, let's see. Now, Tony uh, is in Texas, and he wants to do mostly politics and editorial. But uh, let's set up you, Paranormal 40, an expert, if you don't mind. I've got uh, Daryl Sims in charge of our alienology. What would we call your division or department that you would be an expert? You, you want to, you know, you want to just, how do we, we're separating paranormal now, you know, like phenomenology and cosmology um, how do where do we get started with you? For right now, you call yourself a Fortean researcher right. under paranormal. And, and that, that kind of covers a lot of different things. Um, you know, I call myself a paranormal investigator researcher for a long time. But basically, being a, a Fortean researcher, it, it kind of encompasses a lot of different aspects of the paranormal. And quite frankly, in my research and in, in the in the cases I'm involved with, there always seems to be a connection between the different genres of the, of the paranormal. Uh, there, there's a lot of different, a lot of connections, say between cryptids and UFOs and even spirits. Uh, so I kind of do a lot of different things. So we could are, now. Uh, I don't want to offend you or any of your listeners. But could I safely say that you could be a part of our spiritual science community? Would that be a proper term? Yeah, that'd be fine. Okay. Well, some people take offense uh, and some don't. So I'm always trying to figure out because uh, what I've seen in radio, at least, and uh, on YouTubes and these TED Talks is they're doing their best to keep science separate from uh, world religions and ancient mysteries and when i went to chicago in 2016 to help marta thomas with doing our first global pyramid conference and her people getting them together it was like they couldn't mesh everything together but they said when i showed up she looked at me and said so we're doing this and she was a ufo uh, professional investigator but she didn't want to deal with the ufo portion she said, no, we're not going to talk UFOs. And I was like, well, why am I here? She said, we're going to do pyramid. She says, I want you to help me uh, promote pyramidology. And I was like, okay. She said, well, you believe in them. You've got one on your leg and you wrote a book. I'm like, okay. So fortunately, we both knew Sam as <laughs> of the of the Bosnian pyramids. And I still hadn't gotten my book written. So uh, let's... Let's look at who you are and how you got into this for all the young people, like uh, my 20-year-old grandson in there. How do you get into this? Let's go back to, like, I got a hit 
psychic hit on for some reason uh wondering why i uh, saw you in civil war and you said yeah automatically i was like, shocked the heck out of me because you i, I went folks i wasn't trying to do a psychic hit i wasn't doing a reading or trying to get him to pay me money okay it's nothing like that i just got this hit and in my mind i get these visions and i saw him in the civil war but i couldn't make out which side he was on so uh, but he automatically said you're 20-something. Uh, so tell us about you as a little boy and how you got into Gettysburg. And why would I pick up and you just automatically plump, give me an answer? That spooked me out. Well, I was born and raised near the Gettysburg battlefield. I spent a lot of summers as a kid on the battlefield itself. Um, this one particular day, I used to get on my bike and ride to Gettysburg. And uh, this one day I was eight, I was eight years old. I was in an area of the battlefield that's called Death Valley. Now that area in particular is between the wheat field, Devil's Den, and Little Round Top. It's a little it's a valley where there was a lot of action on the second day of the battle. So I was on my bike. And all of a sudden, it's, it's almost like a door opened because I started seeing apparitions, hearing gunfire, cannon fire, smelling uh, gunpowder, the whole nine yards. And this went on for several minutes and then suddenly just shut down. Now, by that time, I knew that I had some abilities, but I wasn't really quite sure what it was it's not like i lived in a haunted house or anything like that uh but i could pick up on spirit energy uh, so i eventually learned through a regression that i did fight on the union side and i was at gettysburg as a member of the 20th maine and uh I have always been attracted to that one part of the battlefield uh, where the 20th Maine monument is. And if you, of course, if you know the, the history of the unit that on the second day of the battle, they, they charged down the, the hill with the bayonets and fought back the uh, North Carolina and Texas uh, troops. It was, a, you know, it was a long, a long day, long battle, but very historic day. And, uh, that's the, that's apparently the, uh, the unit that I was with. Now, like I said before, before I even knew any of this, I was attracted to that part of the battlefield. So, um, you know, after all this happened, you know, and I don't really think my parents had any idea of any of this. I never talked to them about it. And, uh, you know, as I got a little bit older, I started to get involved with helping people that had hauntings. Now, this was back in the mid-70s. So, you know, this isn't a time when, you know, the paranormal was kind of the thing to do. I mean, people kind of looked at you like you're nuts when you told them, you, you know, you were involved with the paranormal. But I did that for a while. Then, you know, as life goes on, you get married, you have kids, you start working, and you kind of get a little bit out of that. But... My whole perspective on the paranormal changed 
in May of 1981 is when I had a Bigfoot encounter while I was fishing on the uh, South Patapsco River near Sykesville, Maryland. And after that day, I became very involved with the, the, the cryptid uh, aspect of the paranormal. And that's basically what I've been doing a lot of since then. Uh, I've had other encounters. I've also helped people with hauntings in the meantime. And uh, it, it got to the point where I, all, the, all those years I was taking reports talking to people, you know, keeping notes of cases I was working on. And it eventually accumulated into uh, when I started my blog in 2005 and I started looking into other people's reports. You know, of course, with the advent of the, the Internet, it was much easier to do this. And it, it kind of snowballed from there. And that's where we are at this point. Well, can you confirm uh, or deny, I don't know how you want to say this, that you have never talked to me or have we ever talked or did, did you know me or anything about me or anything that would make me think that you and I are connected in no. uh, this reality? No, I, 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 you know, I, I knew you were on LinkedIn as someone who was... Uh, you know, associated me with LinkedIn, but you and I never talked. We never communicated until the day you contacted me. So what is that? Because that's what I'm studying. I like humanity and uh, human behavior and neuropsychology, phenomenology, but my specialty uh, was as an investigator was just getting the facts for rich attorneys on cases and the offshore oil rigs, uh, even death, accidents. Uh, I've worked mostly personal injury and maritime law and uh, arson, fraud, subrogation, fires. So when I, I was a paid, well-paid investigator before I went in the military. But uh, as a child, I went to uh, Jackson. I lived in Monroe and went across to Vicksburg. And uh, my, I started crying because I was having visions. Of course, my mother was like a psychic, but she would never admit that. I just know that she died eating pits, uh, peach pits or whatever that stuff was inside there. And she got deathly ill, her and her brother both. And she had like an out-of-body experience. But I didn't learn that till she was in the late 60s and Stanton Friedman was calling me. And then I got to be on a ABC uh, taping and she took the call. So I sat down with her at the table and asked her if she remembered me, you know, going back in Vicksburg. I said, Mom, you remember when you got, you uh, talked to me about crying and how you you were really concerned about me with my dad. We were having a family picnic in Vicksburg and uh, I, I was uh, seeing all these people and you, you I was like, I see dead people on, okay? Like you did. Mm -hmm. And she didn't understand it. And she was just really shocked. I said, do you remember that? She said, Yeah. And she said that's when they were putting I-20 through and they were moving uh, some of the big stones. And we didn't understand why that upset you so much. It was the Vicksburg uh, battlefield. And it just, you know, they well, they had to give up on their picnic and take me home. That I mean, I was like having some episode or something. 
So that's something that's similar, you know, in remembrance. And then when I went to Gettysburg as a truck driver. So what I'm looking for is that, what is that, uh, I call it spirit, I guess. I, I can't find any other name for the connection to it. It's like, uh, if you talk neurologically, they'll tell you that we have uh, electrical, like beta, alpha, theta, delta, gamma, sigma, tau. You know, the seven levels of humanity or the seven vibrations and yeah you know, we have a what is it uh do re mi fa so la ti do that's eight we use those in music so uh do you have any people that in your uh Fortean area of expertise that study that spirit and energy that uh i don't know what you'd call it but it's like you can see it and feel it but maybe you can't really touch it but some people get hits and that's what i got on you so yeah. i don't know can we give that a new name? Can well, you give a name I, I, or do you already have one? I have been, I was a trained remote viewer. A what? Uh, a, a trained remote viewer. A remote viewer. I was, I was <laughs> trained by, I was trained by a person who worked for MI5 in her, in her private, I mean, in her public career until she retired. She took me under her wing. I, uh, Are you speaking intelligence community of the UK, like MI6? Yes. yes. And uh, she taught me uh, spontaneous remote viewing or controlled remote viewing. And, uh, you know, I, I actually did a year of training. We did. We actually did it over Skype over a oh. year. And we um, we got involved with working cases primarily in the uk of hauntings you know haunting cases uh all kinds all, all kinds of different types of hauntings and and uh attachment cases and it was fairly successful uh she would go her and her group would go on this on site and i would be connected with them on the computer through Skype, and I would do a remote view as they were working the case. And uh, we we were fairly successful for a while. I mean, we, you know, we did it for about four or five years. And, you know, life happens and you got to do other things. But it's, uh, I do use it occasionally for cases. I worked with a group in Australia for a while who has helped me with, my personal cases who has have done remote views to help me with uh, more information on other cases that I've been involved with as well. I'm also, um, and I, I've got several clients who I've helped over the years uh, who have had hauntings in their home and I've done remote uh, sessions to try to alleviate the hauntings and the attachments in their location. And, you know, I've, uh, I've been involved with that now for, I guess, about 10 years. Wow. Okay. Well, I didn't know remote viewing was out there and all these groups. I, I feel like I've been on another planet, to be honest with you. But all I did was I had a deep investigation, deep problems at the uh, government level and then was assigned a case. And then, uh, I had to work on it roughly 20, 30 years. But uh, anyway, it's uh, coming to a different level. 
you've worked on cases like tier one, two, three, or been like a legal investigator or a private investigator. Have you done investigations? Uh, are just are you saying remote viewing, like paid informant or paid investigator or researcher? No, I, this has always been private. This oh, it's has always been. Hobby. This has always been between me and the client. Okay. Uh, I never. I have never pressured anybody to pay me for any of my services. This has mostly been all voluntary. Yeah. Uh, but I have helped a, a lot of people, and in fact, I've helped some people who are very well known. So uh, yeah, it's kind of been a private thing. Nice. Uh, I don't talk a whole lot about it, but it's. Uh, you know, it's just part of what I do. Nice. Well, uh, I guess I can keep my ACIR radio going with people like you then, because uh, originally it was Assured Confidential Investigative Reports, and you can understand then, I guess, at my spiritual level, that there's some people that want assistance from people that have had out-of-body near-death or actually feel like they died or had seen the other side, but we don't really know how to address it. We always get uh, laced in with, I see dead people, our spirits, or the spiritual world with uh, Houdini and, you know, uh, I don't know, War of the Worlds kind of things, if you know what I mean. So I'm not sure what it's called, but uh, in science, they pretty much refer to it as phenomenology. And I used to be told I had ESP, you know, growing up, but uh, that's what is that called now if it's not extrasensory perception? Do you know? Well, they, st they still call it ES, I mean, e uh, extrasensory perception. But, you know, it, it's kind of broken up into a lot of uh, different parts now. Uh, some are clairvoyant. Some are clairsentient. Some are able to do specific things. I, I'm, I consider myself more of a uh, intuitive when I... Uh, I sense spirit energy, but how I sense it is in my mind's eye, I see certain colors and that's how I interpret what I'm, a, you know, what I'm in the presence of. And, uh, over the years I've been able to determine what colors associate to what, uh, types of energy and Using that as a primer when I start to do the investigation and using remote viewing techniques, I'm usually able to pinpoint what's going on. And on occasion, I have done clearings that way as well. Okay. Now, I've done clearings that my daughter did because I grew up uh, being curious in whatever this was. And I was very curious about Houdini. And uh, I didn't, I read a lot of books, but I, I was looking for probably the same thing Houdini was, <laughs> I guess. It's the other side or how are people, you, you've experienced something in life and I had and or people, if you want to say, or people that have, like I thought I was drowning and they pulled me up out of the water or with extraterrestrials. So I'm always looking for like angels, extraterrestrials, spirits or beings, those type of energies, because so many people call them different things. So in a way, you've sort of been on the same path, haven't you? I don't, I don't know. Maybe the gut, maybe Gettysburg got you started looking for those beings or. Mm, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, the, I think the situation with Gettysburg kind of helped me define a bit more what I was able to do. 
you know, I still spent a lot of time on the battlefield. I, I, I moved back up here again. So I live near Gettysburg currently again. And, uh, I do spend a lot of time there. There's a lot of different things that you do pick up on. Um, it's interesting being out there when other people are there and, and experiencing what they, uh, see or what, how they react. But, uh, you know, because of so, there's so much trapped energy in that one specific area, uh, it, you know, it, it is kind of like having, it's almost like a laboratory for uh, paranormal activity. And, you know, I've always been attracted to these locations where there's been uh, a lot of death or a lot of strife and battlefields are particularly ripe with that uh i've also done work at antietam as well so uh yeah i mean it it's it's something it's kind of it's kind of like i said before it's like a lab and you you kind of go there and uh pick up on a lot of different things but i i will say i think being on the battlefield has kind of helped me define what what abilities i do have and how i can use them so we could say safely say that uh, people like you and me, we're, I'm trying to get, I'm, I'm really looking, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, I'm really looking for how you and I came together. And if they're, you're, we're always looking for, you know, who are we, why are we here, and where will we go when we leave the planet, so to speak. Have you heard that, right? Mm -hmm. The main question is, I think somebody said uh, the, the, the biggest question you'll ever ask yourself is, uh, uh, where you go when you leave here, but I don't know. I guess it's some people that are faith, they have faith or they're believers in spirit, and then there's others that scientifically have to prove it with sight, but are, are peer review or where something you can experiment and do it over and over again, and it's really a philosophy, but we call it a science because we think if we can do it, then it must be real, right? Or if somebody else can do it and repeat the situation. And all that, I understand, came from philosophy way back in Roman times or whatever, all the way back to Aristotle and all that. But, you, you know, I'm looking for that common thread. And then everyone thinks that they have their own truth. But I'm learning that memories and perceptions aren't necessarily the same thing. So uh, I, I would like to build a wiki with you, if you don't mind, or one that we could use among people learning how we're developing the skills and how we brought our, all our libraries together. And like you said, the de defining, well, you can say remote viewing and maybe that breaks down. Uh, being a psychic, a clairvoyant, sentient, audience. Uh, I forgot all, we used to use clairaudient, clair, yeah, clairvoyant. I've, I've forgotten all of them. They're, I've written them a million times, clairsentient. But anyway, basically you can feel it are with your hairs, your your primordial instincts, so go up on the back of your your neck or on your arms. That, that uh, what do y'all call that with your group or how you've been educated? Well, my group is a my current group is not necessarily into um, that part of what we do. We're mostly into cryptid investigations and uh, uh, you know other strange phenomena, unexplained phenomena, but. What, what you're talking about, I believe, is perception and how okay. each person interprets perception. Each person has their own perception 
I have I have talked to a lot of people over the years who perceive uh, energy, perceive uh, spirits. Uh, it's all energy, but they all they all perceive it in a different different way. Uh, like I said earlier, I perceive in colors. I my mind's eye is, is very very open all the time. I see. Um, I'm, I'm able to see remotely. I can see places remotely. Uh, I work when I work with clients while I'm talking to them, either on Skype or on the telephone. I can usually perceive where they are, what they're doing, uh, what they're thinking, uh, their feelings, and such. And uh, that's just something I, I've been able to do. And, you know, that's my own personal perception. But, you know, I guess, you know, everybody has their own. All right. Well, uh, do you, did you write a book on intuitive perception at all no. yet or manifesting? or? No, my friend Brett has been trying to talk me into doing a, a book about mysticism. She calls me a mystic. <laughs> I don't know if okay. that I, I don't know if I am one. But uh, no, I, I've only written about cryptids, and uh, I, my last book was about uh, alien disclosure and abduction phenomena. Well, I work with mystics, oracles, psychics, sages, seers, and uh, I've been called a madge. But you know, uh, it's because of the stuff I study. But being an investigator, that is a paying bona fide job, right? I made five thousand per case and fifty-five an hour back in the 80s you know before the government snapped me up but i was out of country being paid but the people that uh used me could afford it they had money mm -hmm. so you know the the people at least here where i grew up in the south we all sort of thought it was normal to see spirits or to feel ghosts and the uh uh when you go to where they they bury dead people uh what are those called uh well, cemetery? You know yeah, cemetery. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when you're grown up and you're told, you you know, we, we treated cemeteries with respect and we didn't, you know, we knew where the headstone was and that it was always at the head, not the foot. So uh, is that what you were raised? I mean, in Pennsylvania, right? Well, That's where you grew up. You grew up in Pennsylvania? I grew up in Pennsylvania. I'm I uh, I was raised in a family that was very conservative. Um, my family lineage goes back to Amish uh, on both sides. Wow. Uh, we've had powwowers in our family. I very well know a lot of what th that whole folk art of healing is. I've been involved with some of it, though I've never I was never trained by anybody. Uh, so I, I'm very aware of it. Um, I don't know if that has had any influence on me personally. But it may have. I mean, it may be something that was passed down to me that, you know, through family, but I, I really don't know. Some people Most, say it's in our DNA, but I think that's yet it to may be. be. But I, I, I don't know. I, I think um, I think most of what we, um, you know, I believe every person has some type of intuitive ability. Uh, right, you can too. call it psychic, but I think it, it, it just depends how open the person is 
to actually using it, how they develop it, and uh, if they're willing to be open with others and help them by using it. That's something that I do. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily get into a case or have in the past gotten into a case that I'm out for compensation. I'm just doing it to, to help them or they ask to help. And that's way, that's the way I've always been. I mean, uh, it's, it, it, I just feel it's part of what I am and, uh, that's why I have done it over the years. So, uh, it, it it's culminated into a lot of very interesting friendships and relationships over the years. Well, the way that, uh, because I was raised in the South and spiritual and in Monroe, and of course we had New Orleans and all the world religions, and but, you know, the French Creole, and you've heard of voodoo and all these other, Santeria and all, the, all these other. So we got a combination of all that, you know, with me growing up, and then we moved to Houston, and then I realized how international the world was, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Living near Houston and Seaport, so to speak, uh, you know, but so many, uh, the Japanese had their little area, Chinese had theirs, the Mexicans theirs, uh, Filipinos, you know, and then make these little clusters of Houston. I'm sure it's still that way, if probably a lot more, because that was in the 60s, and I met with Saudi Arabians, broke my tooth at the <laughs> Warwick Hotel. I was a dancer at the time. But even then, I could sense people, but we didn't talk about it. But the government recruited me in May May 10th, 1967, because of my abilities, I believe. I can't prove it to you or anybody else, but the people, you know, recruiting you in high school because I was twirling uh, fire batons at my high school and machetes. And the way that I understood was men in black, so to speak, you know, they came in black and uh, one of them got me out of the out of the movie theater. But I believe it was based on what I could perceive or touch and feel because the how I, I researched it as a kid was this girl came out to get me to talk to her father in the stands because they had heard about us practicing at school and it got around school that we were going to twirl, you know, fire batons and machetes that night. Right. Mm. So our, well, we did occasionally, but uh, it was a big deal until they had to make us not do it anymore. It was causing a thing with the local Houston fire department or something, <laughs> something to do with fire. Turn, oh, I was turning the lights out, I think. But anyway, so one of these guys came and uh, asked me if I'd like to work for the government. So that's how I wound up, you know, being a bona fide investigator. But uh, Men in Black, so to speak. And then they pulled us out of a uh, James Bond movie. My husband worked at NASA. But at the time, he had five scholarships. So I was wondering if you have any knowledge. uh, Have anybody, has any uh, government groups of any type of intelligence ever approached you? Yeah. Oh, well, let me hear your story. I've got well, my- I, I can't really talk about it. Um, oh. I, I was involved with um, a particular agency who was interested in something I was involved with. But, you know, I, I don't know if it became classified. I really don't know that. But I, I just know I've never really talked about it. Right. Well, they would have told you if it was uh well, you weren't a government contractor or government. No, 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 this well, was I was I both. Voluntarily. Yeah, I was a, I was both. I was in uniform and out of uniform and trained to GS status as well. But it all came because uh, I didn't understand uh, signing the paperwork 
in 67, but I grew into various divisions of uh, departments inside the government before I retired in 2017. So now I feel more freely. It, I, I don't think that uh, when I had my company as a, you know, ACIR, Assured Confidential Investigative Report, you, of course, know just out of confidentiality with a person if they ask you. It's like a medical or HIPAA law. So you just, it's a moral law, right? If they come to you, especially those that are very well known or have reputations, they don't want people to know they believe in spooks or ghosts or, you know, <laughs> are that's, always been a, that's always been a policy of mine. Uh, no matter the type of investigation I'm doing, uh, it's, it's always confidential and, uh, unless they give me permission to go beyond and, uh, to do release, you know, release their name or release some of the information. But for the most part, and and this is something I've always stressed with people I work with that, you know, the, the client confidentiality is probably the, the biggest priority in what I do. And, uh, you know, I've always, I've always gone by that and it's, it's, you know, it, it's kind of given me the ability to, to, uh, receive more cases as word of mouth goes by. Cause people do realize that, you know, you will not talk about them personally and disclose any information that they don't want done. So, you know, that's, that's always been my number one priority to keep, uh, to keep things confidential. Right. So there's that level of just doing it as a human out of morals. And then a lot of times with the government, if you've got a need to know or confidentiality agreement, they may have you sign that. But in the military, a lot of times you'll be working in another area or on uh, what they call uh, uh, temporary duty orders. And then you may go do something never knowing what it is. You don't know till you get there and then you're involved. And then after the fact, we would brief people and then tell them that they can't talk about it <laughs> and tell them who they were working with or you were working, you know, affiliate or blah, 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 right? You may be in a uniform, but working with an intelligence community. But you started right off that you said you worked with MI5. So, but that was. Well, I didn't work with MI5. The person who trained me did work with MI5. Oh, okay. Uh, when, when she worked. I mean, she, when she retired, she. Uh, you know, her and I kind of hit it off, I guess, spiritually. And, uh, she was, she was a psychic as well. And, you know, she decided that, uh, she would train me to be, uh, a coordinate remote viewer. And, uh, that's how that came about. Nice. So you use coordinates like they do Mm -hmm. in the army or used to, or a lot of, uh, do you know any of the guys that were in, uh, Stargate? Yeah. You do, Russell Tard. Yeah, I, I knew a few of the people. I, um, you know, I, I was when I lived down in Maryland. I didn't live too far from Fort Meade, so I, uh, I, I was able to associate with a, a few people that were in that program earlier. Wow. Uh, you know, they never really acknowledged it after you know it came up with. Uh, you know, the MK Ultra and then the Spygate. Oh, yeah. But uh that <laughs> I um yeah so I was safe. I was able to I was able to converse with a few of the people involved. Yeah, I think those are completely different programs. Now they may have crossed over in a time. Oh, there was I, a crossover. Oh, was there? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I didn't know from the sixties, seventies and eighties. I I wasn't in the MK Ultra, but I did study some cases uh, in Canada. 
uh, with a gentleman that was known for doing that. And there's some cases out there still open for money, so to speak. So I wish everybody well on that. <laughs> but uh, I never wanted to get close to the MK Ultra. Now I've had people on radio shows that do that or have meetup groups uh, on some other radio shows that do it. Maisha Johnston, do you know her? No. Oh, okay. See, we can do stuff and not ever know each other. And this is what's amazing me because it's, you would think it would be a closed community, but it's so closed. We don't even know each other. <laughs> so maybe that's, I don't know if that's good or bad. Well, uh, another thing you mentioned, now, if you don't mind, uh, I don't know if you're taking notes, but we, yeah, or if you, yeah, I don't think you'll have time to go back and listen to this, but you know, we can build an oral history and that's what I like to do as a, a investigator archivist and build ACIR radio with uh, groups that uh, feel like they're contributing to the oral history of who they are in our who's who directory and, uh, how we can train people in what we do. So, you know, we're we're told to live 120 years in the Bible. I don't know if I'll make it. I don't know if you'll make it. But those of us that have faith that there's spirits out there, I think we have a little more faith and hope because, you know, if you're, let's say you're in a severe accident underground. My brothers were like that working laying uh, pipes right in Houston and stuff. But one got down in the machine, one did a machine and one got down and did the fancy welding and stuff, but you can get trapped. But sometimes only hope and faith you've got is in humanity and God to pull you out. And I'd hate to be in a position and I've been close to there with people. I've been in some severe situations, including death and dying, where if you don't have that, I don't know how people survive it when they don't believe in anything after. So that's sort of a mission of mine. I believe alien civilizations exist. And uh, that's, ergo my ACE for, and then I have, uh, I have ACE Metaphysical Institute. But with you, ACO Club, I believe it needs to be something not just metaphysical and not just uh, UFOs and alien contact because uh, I had a Bigfoot experience while I was driving a big truck, and not one, but twi- two or twice. One, when I was uh, getting up, uh, I had a CDL out of uh, Kentucky. I started in Oklahoma, then went to Texas and drove for FFB American Eagle, and I went to U.S. Express and Covenant. And uh, But I was pulling out a, uh, I had one of my, my husband at the time, I had pulled out of Kentucky uh, Beaver Dam, Kentucky, uh, and went down over to the Missouri-Arkansas line, pulling out there, and uh, it was late at night. Sometimes you have to live at night, you know, it doesn't matter what you're picking up, it just depends on your time, and I happened to be able to go through home from, like, Pennsylvania, New York area. We did a lot of New Jersey deliveries for the government, but this was crackers or something. I don't know why. Normally, I wouldn't remember, but it was, like, <laughs> something weird, like, it was off-the-wall leave at night food product or something i think it had a shelf life or something so i had to go and when i was pulling 1 30 or 2 in the morning the light shined over in the dark and i saw this tall it looked like a tall i mean like eight feet or so tall so that it caught my eye and i asked a couple other guys if they saw it and they didn't see it and that really upset me because this what i would call a bigfoot but i saw a short uh, you know, after I saw him, I looked to see what I could see there, and there was a, a short, like a 
I, I want to say a woman. I don't know, but this is how my mind perceived it. We'll just talk perception. Was that the, uh, and they're like, well, the lights shine because I was turning from a, a road to get on the road going towards Little uh, Memphis. And uh, I don't think they were supposed to be there, but it was that time of year where they were picking berries off of the fence. I think it was like blackberries or something along a fence line. A smaller one with a smaller one. So to me, now this is what I perceived, that I wasn't supposed to see them. They weren't expecting me at that odd hour, 2.33, whatever. It was one of those where people are asleep and they don't have very much traffic on the road, you know. And I was coming from an off-the-wall area, Kentucky, anyway, down and turning Missouri. And anyway, when I turned, I knew I, I caught something I wasn't supposed to see. Of course, I was investigated by Trey, but that shocked me because I'd never seen that before. So uh, I got a quick glimpse, but I could sense intuitively that he looked at me and looked at them, and I looked to see what he was looking at, so that's how I figured it out. So my mind and my thoughts were, ah, that's his mate and their little child, our little Bigfoot thingy. So uh, I just... I, I got on the CB. We're going, man, do you? Because one was coming up right behind me, and I asked him, and he went the other way towards Chicago. And he said, no. And so, but I had already pulled up, and in the time that I could pull up, shine my lights, and a big train, you know, when you're sort of had been, you know, like slow, and then you're turning, and it takes you a little while to get around because you're not in any hurry anyway around at night time of night and turning. But it took time to swerve the lights by. But within that time, he had gotten from under that sign uh, over almost to them, and they disappeared. I mean, like, I wasn't supposed to see it. I'm like, whoa, they, they're gone. By the time I could tell, get the CB down, then the little mic, and ask the guy pulling up behind me if he saw it. I don't know where he came from, and he, he didn't. And I was like, I think that was a Bigfoot, because I didn't know what else to call it. So, uh, anyway, and then later on, I mean, you'd think that's enough, right? But later on, uh, uh, two or three years later, or this, it was, uh, see, I don't know which one was first, because I had two accounts, and it's been many, 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 many years ago. That's the thing about we're not recording memories, folks. That's why, part of why I started doing what I'm doing uh, orally here with Lon. Uh, this one was over, I remember it was near a casino, which doesn't make sense, but it was between Little Rock and coming into Memphis. And it was another late, late time at <clears> night. <throat> and uh, the reason I, I kept telling myself, you're not going to remember this, you're not going to remember this, you don't even know if this is a memory or perception, you know, that kind of thing. But I saw one alone walking, just walking. It, it was dark, but it was too tall to be. Uh, it wasn't walking like an ape. And it wasn't a bear because it was on two legs. Because, I, you know, as a truck driver, you know, you ain't going to believe this shit. <laughs> we have all these stories, right? So nobody's going to believe you anyway, and you know that. But I know it wasn't a bear, and I know it wasn't uh, a man, and it wasn't a gorilla. But your mind tells you, and it was a moonlight. It was a full, like a full moon light off of like a... And I want to say that he was walking near... But not under, uh, and I don't think that other one walked under, but it was enough to let me know. So that's the only thing that keeps me sane is knowing, well, how did you see it at night away that far off of the road, you know, on the other side of the fence line and out in the pasture? But he was all alone. And so that 
but I said, well, remember the location. So that's why I say casino, because it wasn't near any casino, but it was like Mississippi. I don't, anyway, but at that time, I, I'm sure I could find basic area where it was, but nobody cared. You know what I'm saying? And nobody believed you anyway. So <laughs> I wonder how many people have done that and known that, you know, nobody cares. And when you're a truck driver, we all have these stories because we drive all over the country. I've been in every state in the United States, right? But there, I remembered those. And then one time I wrote it up for somebody that asked me to. But I don't remember if it was when I was writing for UFO Digest or if I was writing, uh, or I quit writing and did it during radio. But I, I bet I could find it out there. Do you... Uh, where do you put Bigfoot stuff? Did you report yours? I uh, I eventually reported mine to the uh, the BFRO after not long after they had become an organization, uh, and you know it kind of sat out there in the ether for a long time. Yeah, until I, I brought it out when I started writing my blog and started talking about it. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of where it happened. But that was like 20 years later. Well, so don't you think it's odd that we're talking now and we both do radio shows? And, and I haven't been right on my blog for years. So I'm just now that my husband died and took up a lot of time and then my daughter died. And so March 15th will be one year. And I've, I've got her, you know, my grandson's living in my uh, living room in there on my day bed or whatever you call those couches that you can bunk down and an extra mat on them but it looks like a couch during the day but anyway uh you know i'm just now deciding that i've had a company for over a year since april 5th 2018 here in florida i moved from kentucky where i was driving the big truck down here and uh i had quit you know doing investigations and i've retired from the government officially uh, 2017 uh, on my birthday, I think, how they do it, Social Security. So I put in 50 years, you know, investigations. But now I can do this as a hobby or a profession or both or part-time with people that want to do it professionally or as a hobby. So I'm, I'm just starting it, and you're my first person, my first intake <laughs> now look how strange this is I, I left it up to the universe and you're what was found and immediate psychic hit going tell me something and you had uh the first thought was well the first thought was why am i getting in touch with you but then uh the psychic hit on the uh now i didn't know you're from gettysburg but that uh war that's a hit Civil War, and then uh, I didn't know you had a Bigfoot. So now we've got two things. Well, more than that, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing people in the future. What do we really know about each other? And why are we who we are? And why do certain people uh, have certain experiences and others don't? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I mean, I like I said before, I, I you know, it's, I don't know, I guess it's... Each person has their own way of de determining that. Uh, you know, I I have had the ability, or maybe it's coincidental, that I, I've contacted or been in contact with 
people who are a lot like me or uh, who kind of stumble upon me for whatever reason. Maybe that's what happened to you. I don't know. You really don't? Have you? Have no. you? You haven't written a book on that? Nope. No, I, I haven't. haven't. But let's do something. Let's. There's something here, Lon. I, I don't know because, I mean, I watch TED Talks. I watch History Channel. I've, uh, the only t I've ever been to an event was uh, as a, a consultant on pyramids where I thought I was going for the UFO MUFON business. <laughs> so, surprise! <laughs> so, I mean, you know, the one time I think, oh, I'm going to get involved with the UFO world, you know, because it was close to me retiring, you know, but I was doing radio, teaching RCT radio to help another friend of mine in Hawaii that was keeping up my Ascension Center for uh, spiritual, uh, we do more Oh, Reiki, uh, how would you say it? It's, this day and time, they call it uh, like a new age, but it was like I helped endorse chiropractic and yoga and uh, seeing auras and chakra balancing and the realms and teaching because I learned that on my spiritual path while I was in Hawaii, right? So there's mm. a few uh, little introductions to my spiritual path. So to me, it was it was like my ministry. I, I wrote music, and I, you know, I helped people in the music industry and joined Country Music Association and Broadcast Music Incorporated, and you know, I did all that. But that was a hobby. But I became a producer with International Bluegrass Music Association and helped the Bill Monroe Foundation. Got one of the first certificates uh, as a plank owner for uh, Bill Monroe Foundation Bluegrass Music. But what I was learning that when all these different things I was doing, I said, well, let's shoot, let's do them all together. So we had events. So then I became an event planner and organizer for Ohio County, and we had it at the county fair. So, But we didn't talk about Bigfoot to everybody, but I did get to talk to somebody that called me once where uh, I started, I was writing for the local newspaper, so I started writing what the people did. And so I formed Ace Folk Life in 2003 and with my husband and mother because mother was a writer and uh, I had some people that told me about sitting at the old, uh, they would have these old roads. I don't know if you got them in Pennsylvania, surely like Gettysburg, where they had the old wagon wheels. And then mm -hmm. they had where the water did stop and water the horses. And down one of those was on my uh, husband's father's land, 35 acres. And it had a history. And I got all interested in George Washington. There was all kind of interesting uh, history there. So, uh, this family came and told me about watching a Bigfoot. So, you know, I broke down as a truck driver, and they said they saw a UFO over my house every night. And this lady would get up and drink coffee, watch out her window for 5.30 in the morning before dawn to watch this UFO come over my house. And I was like, really? So I thought she was wacko. Turned out she wasn't. She just, because uh, some other people said the same thing. So I don't know, but I didn't. I didn't really write that down, but I did uh, listen to her story of Bigfoot behind the trees that would be drawn to the music. They were out in this land where um, the old wagon, she took me to it. I, I literally, I didn't do a full investigation. I just did a on-site, you know, boots on the ground, take me there kind of thing and saw, and the trees were still there. There's a huge trees where this old coal, the men would come and there was a bell where you'd ring the bell for food or if the women were there, knew that had an accident in the coal mine, 
very interesting. But she said that it was common knowledge, but they couldn't talk to them. But they would come up, uh, but they didn't know who they were if they were from another existence because they could come and go around trees. So they don't know if they're going in the trees or just disappearing or whatever. But they were attracted to the fiddle music, come up to listen to the fiddle music. And I thought that was a curious human kind of thing that they were real shy or scared. Or, but the people said in the coal mine business, you know, back in the day when they had wagons and her parents told, and she was a little girl, she's dead now, but that back in the day, they believed in those, uh, they didn't call them Bigfoot, I don't know what they called them, but uh, they had a name for them. But they didn't, where did the name Bigfoot come from anyway? That came from a, um, uh, a, a um, Timberman uh, out in the Pacific Northwest who saw several of the tracks, and he referred to it as a Bigfoot. And now, that's, how the, that's, that's how the name caught on. Oh, because of the foot thing. The yeah. Gigantopithecus. Now, is that really like the Yeti story comes from our E.T. stories? Because uh, in one of my old, I don't know what you call it, memories, perceptions, uh, DNA, I don't know what you want to call it, past lives is the way we say it in Oracle business. But uh, up in uh, where the flags are, Tibet, uh, I have a past life with a guy that, uh, is he doesn't necessarily agree or remember it so but I had to tell him because he became a friend of mine in this reality uh, I didn't have to tell him but I was compelled so like I told you I can't explain it it's like blah you know but I know you're not supposed to do that as a psychic reader or anything but we ch we don't charge for what we know what we charge for is our time and then I learned in the government and the entertainment industry you can charge like one two or three dollars a minute they 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 used to outlaw it or something all the states and then they decided to let it in back in the day when i was teaching it and training but i was trying to tell him because he hated psychics he 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 worked with psychics he wanted to believe him but he didn't believe him because he was a magician and all magicians think you know you can prove everything like pen and teller or something you know and he worked in las vegas so he he uh, had seen had some et things he was interested in but he didn't believe in those either so he was having a hard time spiritually with his Ekankar background but they taught him how to leave his body so he learned how to leave his body and have out of body so I learned in the last eight or ten years that people that want to but don't they're sort of like me we're real skeptics but I was trying to tell him about these Yeti that in my reality in this dimension the history of knowing your history years, hundreds, thousands of years ago, like I have a memory in Egypt too, is the fact that one of my memories was coming down in a, in a UFO and it crashed me with two other guys. And uh, I taught the people, this is just a memory. So I taught people how to uh, put the, their bodies and uh, take everything out and put, wrap them in gold like salt, dry them out and put them in gold and then uh, wait for, us to be rescued uh, that sounds weird now saying it with you but that was a yeti story which so i had the word yeti but they to me they were extraterrestrials because uh the uh they were there to protect it was some kind of war going on but they were up there to protect until until the people that would we would return right so I'm not sure what happened to me after that, but that is a real story in my head. 
<laughs> like a episode on X Files. But that uh, so I started looking what Yeti meant, like Gigantopithecus. But ha- uh, do you have a team or anybody that works with that group or that? Uh, what would you call that? A discipline or well, yeah, what's that? Right, it's not a profession, right? It's a hobby. You know, I, I hate calling it a hobby. Um, I, I I think we're enthusiasts, but we're also those people who want to seek the truth, who want to find out what's really going on. It, it's almost like a uh, a deep seated obsession, I guess. Uh, I, I don't really call it a hobby. I, I'm really having trouble here because I know what people are telling me that we want to grow our alien contact organization. We want to grow our UFO association. But I'm having all these fights among event planners or events and people that want to get to the brass tacks and those that want to be like, what's his name? John Lear. And John doesn't do radio anymore. But I remember Art Bell and he used to write to me. And I don't know why all these people, i they were writing to me, right? So uh, I, I, it was all the UFO stuff, but a lot of it I couldn't divulge, even to Stanton Friedman, you know, because uh, I used to write government. Well, I won't go there. Well, I, I've already said I'm retired now. I don't see why. You know, investigations, right? Or I would do, well, I've already told you, sure, confidential investigative reports, right? So mm. we couldn't talk about it. And so I had met J. Allen Hynek years ago, and he wrote uh, somewhere between Colorado, when I was at the Air Force Base there, I believe that's the plane trip because a German, uh, one of them took me out on the air base to give me my clearance level, Q or above, and then I wound up with Royal 14. But uh, J. Allen Honig worked with Air Force, but he met me on an airplane, and he, uh, and I believe it was the year he must have known he had cancer or something. I don't know when he found out. I don't even know that he had cancer. What am I saying? I act like I know. But anyway, I just know he died in 1986. Uh, but I, uh, I was reading a book called uh, Aliens Among Us with Ruth Montgomery. And the reason I remember is because I was embarrassed. It was new out, and I was embarrassed to have it. But he was real interested in that. But he encouraged me. He he listened to my story about dying and going to White Sands and seeing extraterrestrials and UFO ships. You know, we call them uh, flying saucers back then. But anyway, he wanted... Uh, he took my story and told him that uh, about. He told me about Center for UFO Studies, and he asked me if I would continue his work. And I was like, "What the? I, you know, I'm a government investigator, and I'm training. You know, and I just got, you know, I'm uniform, and I want to do GS. And I was in a special program, and you know, I was learning Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. I was working Joint Chief of Staff and DOJ, and working for JAG officers. And what am I going to do? Go chase? You know what I mean? You can imagine, like, yeah, right, you know. But I told him, yeah, when I retire, I'll do that. You, you get it? So that, I mean, I told him, yeah. And then uh, I'm doing it. So mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing. So it's like the blind leading the blind. But it's, I think he understood that I'd been, had these things happen. He didn't, we didn't discuss Bigfoot, by the way. We only talked about, you know, me dying as a child with hepatitis and then, dying when I had my fourth child and he was interested in the orb beings and the, the grays and the tall whites and uh, working my, my family uh, genealogy and why my, you know, the government and my name Thurmond and real interesting. Cause we had like a couple hours or so. I don't know. 
but uh, he sort of made me realize that no, no, uh, this is ser- there's something going on, and yada yada, and there's something there, and I'm just going to ask you to please continue to work that kind of stuff, you know. But I didn't know it was going to involve Bigfoot. But I don't, I don't know that it does, except for that memory. And I don't remember that I had that memory when I met him in the '80s, because on my trip to Hawaii is when I had, like you said, you had a, a regression. Mm-hmm. And in that regression, I had these memories come back. So tell me about your regression. Oh, there isn't a whole lot to talk about. It was a, it was part of, um, it, it was part of a group of people who got in, involved with uh, an individual. I don't even remember the woman's name. To be <laughs> honest, it's been a while back. Uh, but no, she told me that. Uh, she gave me the whole scenario about, you know, past lives and uh, then this thing up with the 20th Main came up. It, it kind of clicked when she told me about it after uh, after we discussed it and debriefed. But, uh, yeah, that kind of clicked with me. Well, when you feel, you pick up on things and like you have visions, but usually in a regression from the ones I know that are professionals, I was taken back by a doctor, Ph.D. for the government. Uh, Dr. Laura Sturgis in Hawaii, and I was teaching her psychic classes at the time. Uh, she really liked what I did, and she met me at the University of Hawaii and uh, over uh, what well, we were doing holodynamic classes, and uh, she liked me as a president CEO of a corporation over there, plus I worked in investigations, and uh, she just liked me as a person, but mainly she got interested in me through uh, Cynthia Chu with the Chinese and the bastard and Reagan and all that. Oh man, I better even not even go there. <laughs> I'm going way too far. <laughs> anyway, take you off on a tangent. I'm known for that. I don't mean to, but uh, anyway, there's something about re- being regressed where you, usually they will just let you relax and get, you know, calm you down. I I, I learned all that in Hawaii. That was part of our uh, psychic network and spiritual awakening, and we had a spiritual world network, and we combined psychic and spirit but when we went over to the trade industry in uh uh what was that called in new york and sean david morton what was that whole life expo in new york and then uh we did whole life expo in san fran uh cisco and uh seattle i think but we uh we were combining them but they wouldn't let the ufo business in really they put them way off and they had one little group of vendors they didn't like the UFO people at that time back in the 80s were very, very seldom asked to do spiritual things or whole life or uh, type of events where they sold gadgets or uh, health and wellness. Uh, back then, body, mind, spirit groups, whole life expo. So uh, I always the UFOs had taken a long time through events, I guess, to get to be almost non-pseudoscience, but I believe maybe part of my quest is to get that part out there. Now, can you tell me if you have any ET UFO stories of your own? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got a lot, quite honest with you. What? Uh, yeah, yeah. I bet, like I said, I I told you earlier I've worked with the gentleman not far from where you live at now. And, oh, uh, oh, okay, it didn't click. That's... He's a UFO person? Not a UFO. This is all alien. Uh, this is all alien related. Oh, so you're an alienologist? No, I'm 
I, it, it's kind of part of what I do, part of being a fortune researcher. I, uh, yeah. I look into, you know, and I've had my own experiences and such. So, you know, I was wondering, Teresa, can we pick this up at another time? I, something just came up. up oh, sure. I got a message. I got to take, I got to take care of this. I appreciate it. I need time. And this is a good time. It's right on the hour. Yeah. So I think we've got an hour. Well, are you okay? Cause we've got, uh, what is it? Second or third, uh, did you did you get a note from Blog Talk? And, uh, yeah, yeah. What? When is that so we can tell people? That's supposed to be to, well tomorrow, I think. Do you know? Is it hold, seven? Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Okay. Let me, pull, let me pull it up here. Uh, I'm looking. Well, oh, here it is. My computer's always slow on Sundays. Yeah, mine will be really slow. I use a laptop. (laughs) Are you? Are you? Yeah, that's what I use. Oh no! Uh, It's tomorrow at three p.m. Eastern time. Oh really? It's you sure? Is that on from the Blog Talk company? Let me look and see. Uh, I just want to make sure because the girl that does our alien contact shows. I, 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 but you, we it says, it, it says here, well, it says Monday hangout. Arts. It says from hangouts. Hangout. Let's see here. Uh, okay. TJ Mars ET radio upcoming broadcast. Lon Strickler, 40 and researcher, author and publisher syndicated. Oh, you're right. Oh, I'm glad we talked today. Wow. I wouldn't even have been there. All yeah. right. So it's for tomorrow. That, that was that, other booking agency that you got, right? right that one, right. India. And I don't, I don't know how to track that. You had to tell me you were booked and how you booked it. So that was good. All right. Well, uh, so, so if you're okay, are you, are you going to call me tomorrow or what? No, you're on a different station in New York. It's uh, you call three. Can I give you this phone number? Yeah, hang on a minute. It's different than this one's mine and your company, ACIR. This is brand new that you're on today. You and I just made it. Okay. <laughs> We're going to put this one on Spreaker, ACIR. It'll go on iHeart. Is, is that okay with you? I don't care. Okay, thank you. No, you're starting your own thing with me, ACO Club, uh, just you and me. But I don't know. Well, we got a whole bunch of topics, but we got to figure out how we work together, like you with that MI5 chick. Now mm-hmm. I didn't work for MI five. Do you have uh, restrictions on your? Yeah, I do. I I can only say but so much with that. All I can talk about is uh, that I was trained. I can't go beyond that. Okay, so you're a trained uh, remote viewer. I am mm-hmm. too, by the way. All right, so Lon Strickler, folks, uh, he's broadcasting on uh, one of my channels, personal channels. Today is for the uh, ACO Club with American Communications. Uh, an Allied Command Internet Radio, ACIR Radio. Tomorrow is with uh, Lon Strickler, Broadcast Paranormal with Blog Talk Radio out in New York uh, for Mr. Levy, but I think he sold it to Vozcast. That is uh, actually recording tomorrow live, 3 p.m., folks. So if you, I'm going to hit Facebook right now. I'm hitting the F for Facebook, and I'll throw it on uh, social media. I'll throw it on Twitter, Lon Strickler. And he is a Fortean researcher, trainer, expert, and uh, 
I'm going to try to get him to help me uh, run some train the trainer. He doesn't know that yet because I haven't talked to him about it. <laughs> I guess that's the way the universe works. He knows. I mean, if y'all got any answers, so you you, you have a number that you need me to call tomorrow. Yes, sir. You ready? Mm-hmm. Three, four, seven, niner, four, five, seven, two, zero, seven. Okay. Captain, what are the last four digits again? Uh, seven two zero seven. Seven two zero seven. Okay. Three o'clock. Now that's my time, Central. Are you on Eastern? I, I'm at four o'clock, so I'll, I'll call. You want me to call like ten minutes before? Or? Uh it's just you and me. Uh, it's uh, it's a tape thing where they've got music and ACO, a radio out of Revolution Radio. And how uh, long is the interview? Uh, it's a two-hour show. It goes by pretty fast, though. Okay. It'll be four to six. Now, that goes uh, distributed to different places. Uh, I I don't even have a list line, but I'm going to try to be organized now that I've got time to be, because now I, got, I can be more organized. But I'm looking for people like you that have uh, content that want to be more or be more people you're looking for a new audience well maybe the same audience to some we don't know unless we ask them right mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're just we're just syndicating how's that that sounds good let's okay. syndicate <laughs> so uh, i'm gonna put you out there to people and folks just uh i'm real excited uh that the universe has provided lon strickler for us and he will be back uh march it's it's tomorrow March mm-hmm. 2nd, uh, and we appreciate it, Lon, for being on the call today, and uh, we look forward. Now, tomorrow we're going to discuss your books because you'll with our Authors Club as well, right? And uh, whatever we didn't get into today, whatever you want to yeah. talk about, all right? Okay, no Thank problem. Thank you for helping us today with our club, and I hope you'll look into helping us on uh, whatever you feel an expert at, what you are about, Okay. Okay. Thank you so much, Lon. Look forward to you tomorrow. All right. Thank you. And I'll send you a copy of this for whatever email I've got on file. Okay. Oh, wait, I can send it. When I end this, I can can just uh, send you a copy on on this, Skype. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. I don't have any Uh, music, folks. (laughs) All right. We're just, this is my online show. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.